Hello and welcome to Publish Me, a monthly podcast series from AS21 Publishing, exploring the writing, editing, and publishing process of the fantasy epic, The Will of the Magi. I'm your host, Keith F. Shelvin, and with me as always is... Hello everyone, this is Paul Dickinson-Russell, the author of the upcoming novel, The Will of the Magi. I hope everyone is doing well, and I hope everyone who participated in last month's National Novel Writing Month was able to do a lot better than I did at succeeding in writing their 50,000 words. Yes, don't worry, Paul, we'll get to heaping more shame on you in just a couple minutes. Uh, (laughs) This is the December 2015 edition of the podcast, Chapter 9, and we will be discussing character development. Now, this is a Just Me and Paul podcast, for, so if you're here to listen to guests, too bad, you're just going to have to stick with us. <laughs> Continuing the process of development of Paul's fantasy epic. So now, yes, Paul, you failed on NaNoWriMo, bud. <laughs> it wasn't <laughs> the first time I failed on National Novel Writing Month. No, no, I didn't expect you to finish the book. Although that would have been nice. That would have been wonderful. <laughs> yeah. But uh, obviously the goal of National Novel Writing Month is 50,000 words. And we had, last month, we had Eileen Vega on to talk about her tips for National Novel Writing Month after she had done it last year. So, Paul, how did you do? I was able to get just under 10,000 words written or so. Luckily, I mean... Had I been able to keep at it, I would have accomplished this because I wrote those 10,000 or so words in about the first six days of National Novel Writing Month. So I was, I can't, I had a very good, you know, out the gate pace. However, two thirds of the way through the month, I moved into my new apartment. That, you know, the last couple of weeks of work just kind of killed me. So. Oh, and plus Thanksgiving as well, correct? Yeah, you know, I mean, I was in a coma for about two and a half days from Thanksgiving. <laughs> my, nice. you know, my stepbrother cooked two different turkeys. One had a garlic base, which was delicious. The other one had a Cajun base. Okay, good. And those were, and they were both deep fried. Did he have the turkeys fight it out against each other, or did you just have to pick from both? I picked from both, but, you know, after picking from both, they definitely did fight it out a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so let's let's just say uh, updates for since we last talked. Now, usually when we have a guest on, we don't want to go too deep into the minutia of Twitter followers and following and all that stuff because we want to get straight to the guest. So basically any episode where it's just me and Paul, you guys, that's when you guys are going to get updates on how we're doing on Twitter, on Facebook, and thereabouts. Uh, remember, if you do want to contact us, we're on Twitter at Publish Podcast. On Facebook, facebook.com slash Publish Podcast. We're on Google+. We're on Pinterest. And you can email us at publishpodcast at as21.com. Publishpodcast at aois21.com. Now, since we last gave that, I think we were about... We're actually just under 40 Twitter followers, and as the ebbs and flows of Twitter goes, really, Twitter is quite fickle. I've noticed this very greatly this past week, especially. We rose up as high as, like, 42 followers, but we're back down to 39 again. So, uh, who knows, maybe somebody followed us, thought that, you know, and then they realized they didn't like us. And how could you not like us? 
Really? We are amazing people. Absolutely. How, could, how could you not like us? We're amazing people. I mean, we and trust. We're very humble too. Oh, extremely humble. I, I mean, I don't. I like to think of myself as the most humble person alive. But then there is Paul. Yes, you know, we between the two of us, we are the most humble people on the planet. Absolutely, absolutely. we are so incredibly <laughs> humble. You have no idea. <laughs> But yeah, we we try to be funny. We're not always funny, obviously. But yeah, I think we're hilarious. <laughs> but we just don't want to go too far because we don't want to get all the hate mail. Absolutely. Actually, I wouldn't mind hate mail because it gives me something to read sometimes. Oh, this is true. This is true. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm, I must admit I can't put too much shame on you for only getting te- uh, just under ten thousand words on NaNoWriMo because I got nothing. I didn't write anything. So. <gasps> But, oh, shame on you, sir. Well, I didn't write anything book-wise. I mean, I did write something else. And which, in fact, that is our lead-in to our sponsor for today's episode. Woohoo, sponsors! So, yes, this episode is sponsored by ePress21, the new uh, imprint for self-publishers. Check it out, ePress21.com. So, now we talked about this is Chapter 9, and we are discussing character development. Now, way back... Months and months ago, we did, I think, was it chapter one or was it chapter, it was chapter one, characters. Yep. Yeah, that's right. Chapter one was characters, chapter two, rules of the world. We've already rehashed the rules of the world. So now we're going to go back into characters, but not exactly describing how they are, uh, not the specific character bio, but how a character develops while you're writing the story. Yep. As with, well, as with life, as events occur, Characters change, they have to revisit their own personal opinions, their background, their feelings, just like as any normal person reacts to what's going on around them, or in some cases doesn't react to what's going on around them. There's always some sort of change, and that's really, if if your characters don't experience things that cause them to evolve, as it were, during the course of a story, then what's your story? Because, really, characters are should constantly be fluid in some form. Paul, as you're working with Aiden, your main character, and developing that now, for the bulk of Will the Magi, he is the sole person you're following, correct? Yes. Okay. Um, pretty much the entire story, you know, so far until this point, um, is, you know, you are following your, you know, your little head above Aiden's shoulder, you know, following him around, seeing what he's doing, you know, getting a look inside of his own head and what he's thinking. Right now, Aiden is actually, um, I do allow my characters some organic growth when situations arise that I didn't intend on writing, but, and they are what I end up writing. And so I just wrote two scenes that allowed Aiden some more fun, organic growth than I had previously planned on. When you have fantasy, one of the things that happens is you will eventually have romance. And for anyone who knows me, I hate reading romance. (laughs) I despise it, you know, because... Pretty much everything I read is not romance. It, 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 you know, I, if I'm going to read romance, I would like to read, you know, of the courting aspects of romance. You, you don't you know, like the sudden de- declaring of your romantic intentions in the rain, or 
Yeah, you know, you know, I like you know the slow build up for the romance. That's why I like to read of it. But romance these days is it's there's no even sudden declaration of I love you. It's a sudden declaration of oh look, you no longer have your clothes on. Let's love each other. That's what I read these days in a lot of fantasy, a lot of science fiction. Because let's be honest with each other, sex sells, but. You know, you have to have good written sex, you have to have bad written sex, and most sex these days is written poorly. Well, there's a whole award just for that, actually. It It was just awarded out last week. Hold on, I saw... Yeah, Morrissey. (laughs) The artist Morrissey, he wrote... He won the Bad Sex in Fiction Award for his novel List of the Lost. So... (laughs) I'll have to look into that to see see how bad that sex scene is. Well, apparently his main character is the athlete Ezra and his girlfriend Eliza. The passage describes them rolling together into, quote, one giggling snowball of full-figured copulation, screaming and shouting as they playfully bit and pulled at each other in a dangerous and clamorous roller coaster coil of sexually violent rotation. Yeah. Uh, in the world, is it? <laughs> That's not sex. That's uh, that's acrobatics. And, and my point has been made. Yeah, so <laughs> the two scenes that help Aiden grow. The first one was almost a modern version of a romance scene. So I, oh, there was almost sex between him and my main female character, the lovely princess, you know, heir to the throne type deal. Um, oh, right. I apologize to everyone. I'm completely spacing on her name right now. And my... Yeah. I can't give away everything either, so... Right, but it's a name. I mean... It's a name, true, but names have power. Is it Khan? Is it Khan Nudian Singh? (laughs) (laughs) No. Because you're not J.J. Abrams. You can't... He couldn't even get away with hiding that secret. No, he couldn't. No one could have held that secret. No, no one should have. <laughs> this is true. Yeah. So okay. my uh, Aiden and the princess, basically through other circumstances, are together, and she has been having feelings for him. He's been getting feelings for her, and so she kisses him. I do like an assertive woman. Sometimes I think a lot of men fantasize about that, but the mm-hmm. my my female characters. This one in particular is, I think if you took the definition of a strong modern woman, the I'm a woman, I don't need no man type mentality. Right. That kind of woman's strength, that's the kind of woman that my main female character is. And so she decides that she's going to do this. I mean, also, you're looking, at a, you're looking at a fantasy setting woman who, she is royalty, which means she has realistically no choice in whoever she's going to marry. Right, and almost a Merida kind of thing from right. Baron Nouveau or Brave, as Disney calls it. Absolutely, exactly. As in Brave, like you know, there are three choices, and none of them work for her. There are several other available males my princess has access to, but the noble houses they are from, if she were to marry any of them, the dynasty that, that she has come from essentially would disappear, because they would see to it that their names are the power names. And even though they are being brought up to that level of royalty by her, 
each of these noble houses has the strength of numbers, wealth, prestige, power to ensure that their name is the next dynasty. And also, she hates all of them because she has certain attitudes towards peasants, certain attitudes towards the poor, certain attitudes towards equality amongst her people. That is one of the reasons why she gets along with Aiden so well. You know, she does eventually find out his secret in that he's not essentially noble-born or rich-born, and she's totally fine with that. Mm-hmm. But so, in the back of her head, you do get to have, as part of the conversations leading up to this point, you do enjoy her discussing how she wishes she could marry, you know, whoever she wished, how maybe she should bring some truly new blood up into the ranks of the nobility, yada, 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 yada. Right. So she kisses Aiden, and this is the point where part of Aiden's background comes to the fore, and not in a good way. Because as I've told everyone, Aiden is not entirely human. Right. I can't remember if I've told everyone what his background is. Well, I we, don't think I have. Uh, we've talked about him being a magi and that his powers asserted themselves at birth. Right. To... So everyone knows he's special, but I have you know. Okay, so I have not told everyone exactly what his bloodline is. Okay. So I'm still not going to mention it. Okay. Because I want to torment my listeners, and I'm good at that. And plus, we don't want to have to annoy everyone by putting on the spoiler alert siren again. Exactly. You know, it's a very annoying sound for everyone. That's, so that's why I chose it. <laughs> <laughs> so suffice to say, part of his genetic bloodline background comes to the fore at that moment, and he comes close to killing the princess. She doesn't realize this, but Aiden, in the back of his mind, essentially, you get to have him break apart from himself, and he gets to see the situation from an outside-of-his-head type feeling, and he gets to see himself almost kill the princess. And so he breaks himself off from the kiss, which completely confuses her. Right. Because, you know, what woman is, while she's being killed, she's really enjoying herself. Mm-hmm. You know, because she's still kissing him, and she is realizing she likes him a lot more than she thought she did. And so she gets really, really confused. She gets hurt. And there's going to be a little bit of a back and forth there when he's going to be like, look, I'm sorry, I wish I could return these feelings to you, but something just happened and I don't know what it was, and I don't want to do that to you again because I almost killed you. She doesn't believe him, and there's going to be a bit more of a back and forth, and she's going to get that hurt feeling, like, oh, you don't really love me, you're just saying these things to not hurt my feelings. She's going to go off crying. He's going to be completely confused because what man is not completely confused by women. Especially when they're crying. Exactly. You know, women, you cry. We men, we don't know what to do anymore. Yeah. So, you know, just, you cry at us, we just, you know, anyway. And that's essentially what happens to Aiden. So Aiden and the princess are going to part ways a little bit. But at this point, they've been doing things together, helping out the poor in the city. The princess, her type of magic that she uses is healing magic. And so she goes out and she heals the populace. And she is loved by everyone. That's a good power for a princess to have, Right, well, all right, I'm going to give some spoiler alerts. Okay, spoiler alert, spoiler alert. (laughs) (laughs) So, the princess, she can use healing magic. But, because of the particular family that she's from, essentially, the family are berserkers in the Viking sense of the word. The family has known for their martial traditions that both boys and girls learn essentially from the cradle. 
most children are given stuffed animals when they are in the cradle. Children from this bloodline are given battle axes. So <laughs> I thought you were gonna say like a mace or something, you know. That's the that I can kinda of understand, but wow, battle axes. Well, I, I have a preference for battle axes because with a mace you just crush things. The yes. battle axe, you crush and cut things off. True. So and this woman is around six three. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, yeah, so she's built like a Viking. But when she developed magical talent, she's not the first one in her family ever to develop magical talent. But they had essentially battle magic. Right. Most of them were fire mages or earth mages, which makes sense if you're going to be fighting a lot of wars. Absolutely. So when she got healing magic, she was, of course, kind of pissed off at this. Being a warrior and coming from that line, it's not a very hard leap for most warriors to make. It's like, oh, look, I just got run through the ribcage by a spear. Pluck spear out, heal wound, I'm back to 100% again. Yeah. So she, of course, is a very intelligent woman, as is her father, and she became a battle healer. It's essentially what her line is. Because she goes out and she has this thing for the populace, she goes out into the city and she heals the poor. And she's actually quite powerful as a healer. So she will heal infants of diseases that a person with enough money could have someone heal their baby, but the poor don't have access to those kind of things. And she'll do it for free. So she'll heal the babies. She'll heal the injured. She'll heal the lepers. She'll heal everybody. Oh, boy. You know, and she does this, you know, she goes out like two or three times a week to do this. And she'll spend several hours doing this. And normally, if you are the heir to a throne, you have to go with bodyguards. However, because of the disconnect politically from the college and the noble houses, she has no personal bodyguards there. So it would be a great opportunity to kidnap her or kill her. Right. However, because she's so beloved by the populace, essentially she has all the poor people of the city as her bodyguards. Nice. They will. They would much be happier dying than to have her get hurt. And you know, there will be a couple scenes that you, my readers will get to enjoy where she and Aiden will get jumped by bandits, brigands, assassins, and before they can do anything, the homeless people, the poor people that are around them, are going to deal with said assassins and brigands. And you will get to realize that the homeless lepers that were on the streets moments before were actually high-level thugs or assassins from the Guild of Assassins sent there to protect said princess by the poor people of the city. Right. So she has that level of love from the populace. Anyway, Aiden has made the princess go cry. He doesn't understand why. And they're going to be going out back into the city together to do more of this healing, help the poor in various ways. And in having access to the magic that he does, he's able to do healing himself, so that's always useful. But he also helps them with other things. He helps them, you know, uh, cultivate some of the city gardens and city groves that are there. You may think of having, like, a fire mage magic you really can't, a lot of people just think of like shooting flame or manipulating fire, but also there's like cauterizing a wound or oh yeah, you know, burning something in order to break down the nu- the nutrients in like a tree to fertilize the soil. I mean, these are well, all things that fire can do. Absolutely, and actually, the very first scene of my book that the readers will read, chapter one, page one, Aiden uses his his firepower to plow fields so that they can be planted for the, uh, for the spring crop. Mm-hmm. So he, you know, Aiden has immense powers and he knows a lot of ways of using them. But 
as they are traveling on one of these expeditions, they're going to bring a friend of Aiden's with them, who is an Earth Mage, who pretty much, he's the Samwise Gamgee to mm-hmm. Aiden's Frodo. Okay. Except he's a little bit chubbier, dumpier, and dorkier. So, I mean, he's an Earth Mage from a well-to-do merchant family, but, you know, he gets picked on by everybody. He has siblings who were there, who are much better off than he is. He, you know, he has other siblings who don't use magic, who can't, who fight, who are highly intelligent. Mm-hmm. And he's intelligent, but he, you know, he's been picked on by everybody. He's overweight. He's pimply. He has, I'm going to call it flaxen hair, because that's always attributed to not nice hair. True. Yes. So, well, yeah. Flaxen sounds like it's a, you know, coarse material and not exactly. just a color. So. Exactly. It's very coarse, you know, very, he is not an attractive person, but... He befriends Aiden early on, and, you know, he's finally worked up the courage to, to leave the college, because he pretty much just stays there, and he doesn't do anything outside of it, you know, try to make himself better, but because he's picked on all the time, he has very low confidence. And so, what will, the scene I will, that will come about from this, that you guys will get to see from him, is that there is going to be a trap set for Aiden and the princess, May, this one actually meant more for Aiden than for the princess, but it's gonna it's gonna hit the three of them and the poor people that are with them. They're gonna be underground in some of the city catacombs doing their thing when the ceiling is going to collapse. Mm-hmm. Now, a earth mage, a fire mage, and a healing mage collapsing ceiling. Not really much you can do. Right. Earth mage. There's a lot you can do with that kind of situation if you know what you're doing. He's been picked on so much that he reacts instinctively, but the moment he does something, his confidence immediately starts to crumble. And so Aiden and the princess are going to be trying to build up his confidence, as are all of the poor people. And he's going to have that burst, but he's also drawing upon far more magic than he normally should be able to draw upon which is going to cause problems for him. Right. Because when someone draws upon more magic in my world, they open themselves up to demonic possession, Ooh. which is what, as in, demons from the nether realm come in and possess you and so, wear you like a suit and make you do horrible, horrible things. So it, like, weakens your morality and your mental composure, as it were? No, think of, think of the human body as a suit. Okay. All right, so you are no longer in there is someone else in there. Now, in this case, the demon can be driven out and you will come back into it. So you're not dead or devoured, but it takes some effort. Right. Unless the demon chooses to leave, which then causes his own problems. However, I will leave it here in that the demon that specifically possesses Aiden's friend isn't there to cause trouble. The demon is there to talk to Aiden. <laughs> Oh, okay. Which will then cause a whole bunch of more entertainment, because the demons are there. Here's a mythological background bit for my story. If you picture the world, picture two shells around the world. The first layer shell is the netherworld. The outermost shell would be heaven. In order to get to heaven, you have to go through the netherworld, which is where the demons exist. Demons feed upon the emotional outpouring of souls as they go to heaven. No soul, unless a soul is trapped in this netherworld, for as long as it takes the demons to eat off all of the tasty bits of the person's emotional aspect. So all of their hatred, all of their fear, all of their anger, all of their rage, 
all of their despair, their, all of their tasty, tasty emotions that the demons like, once they've been cleaned off of those and the bone picked clean, then the rest of the soul, with all the happiness and good stuff, goes up to heaven. Which then continues other cycles that are quite useful. The demons are having a problem, and Aiden is the first person that they know of that they can deal, that they can actually talk to for a moment about the problem before he tries to start banishing them. Because they can't talk to any of the other races, because elves, dwarves, the dark elves, the trolls, some of the other human factions, they would just banish the demon immediately, try and enslave them immediately, or try to absorb them and use that demonic strength for themselves, but by controlling the demon anyway. So he's kind of a little bit slow in banishing the demon, but because he is, it actually is helpful. Right. The human kingdom that Aiden lives in, full Magi, knows how to banish very easily. The problem is, Aiden has not been there long enough to learn those particular spells and how they function within fire. Each elemental source has its particular version and way of banishing demons, but because Aiden is who he is, he hasn't been taught that yet. Part of that is through him being who he is, and he's learning tons of other useful things, but he's never come up against a demon, so he kind of is like, I don't need to know this yet. The other part of it is, the pe- his instructors don't like him because they all suspect that he's not noble-born, and so they don't want to teach him, but because they can't prove it, they're just holding him back. All right, so basically the teachers through their inaction are actually setting him up to... And they're probably thinking is that a demon will take him over and they'll be done with him. Absolutely, because there are two ways of getting rid of a demon. You can use your magic to banish the demon out of the person's shell, Mm -hmm. which if the demon is possessing someone powerful, someone useful, someone very wealthy, who can then pay them to have it removed, that's what they'll do. But if the demon's possessing a peasant, it's just so much easier to kill the peasant, and then peasant, soul, and demon go back to the netherworld, and the problem has been solved. All right, well, that's a lot. I mean, obviously, that, that's a lot to weigh on. The idea of the more you use your magic, the more you're prone to demons and everything. Oh, yeah. And the issue is that when this possession occurs, Aiden doesn't know that possession is possible. Oh, man. Talk about not getting the instruction booklet with you. Exactly. <laughs> now, the princess and his friend, they know about possessions. Right. The princess, however, of course, at the time this is happening, there's a roof collapsing, and she's been in the middle of healing people, so her brain is somewhere else. Right. And his friend is in the middle of holding the roof up. Right. And so he just is like, must save everyone, unleash all my power. Uh oh, possession takes place. Right. <laughs> that's kind of how it functions for them. And so, and th- there's also that little aspect that's going on is that you have three different types of magi here. You have a fire magi, you have an earth magi, and you have a healing magi. They're not supposed to be co- cohabitating like this. Right. There is each a house for your type of magi. There's fire magi, earth, healing, water, air, shadow, whatever other magi. And you kind of stick in house. But. The princess, she's the princess, so everyone gets to know her. Aiden is an outcast, so no one in his house is working with him. And so is his friend. You know, no one wants to be associated with the dumpy kid, so everyone kind of 
the two outcasts. So the, they're the outsiders, yeah. Right. And because of that, they get to learn things on their own that make up for that. And uh, you can understand the reasoning for the segmentation, the segregation, as it were, of the mages, because if you're a fire mage, you're learning from the other fire mages. Mm-hmm. And even if you come upon something new that the others don't know, the group is all benefiting from that knowledge. Absolutely. If you're on your own, you may not truly realize the power that you have. Right. Let alone be able to share it. Well, one of the reasons with that why Aiden is ostracized by the fire magi is they all know that he's ex- is immensely powerful. Okay. There are a bunch of them that think that they are more powerful than he is. But that's purely because Aiden is under instructions to make himself less threatening and to make himself less visible to everybody. He's basically been told from the get-go, the moment he got into the college, or actually before he got into the college, he's been told, don't show off. Don't bring attention to yourself. Do the bare minimum you can for as long as possible. Eventually, yes, we understand. Eventually, you're going to have to go unleash everything you have and show everyone your potential. But until you have to do that, don't. <laughs> if everyone else is using... Let's use batteries here for how many how much power you're using. If everyone is using six batteries to power up their spells, and you can do everything in two, fine. Do it in two, but make it look like you're doing the same thing as everybody else. Don't right. use six, which then you know shows off the fact that you're doing so much more. Right. So you don't, we don't want you paying attention to yourself because again, you're not noble born. Right. You will get executed if anyone finds out. Regardless, the laws specifically dictate that if you do not go to the college, you will be executed. But the problem is, Aiden, he has the money to go to the college. The money was given to him to go to the college. Right. The issue is, is that he's still poor-born. He's yeah, he's peasant. not a noble birth. Yes. He's not noble. He's not a merchant. So how did the peasant get that kind of money? Mm-hmm. Peasants only can get money one way. By stealing it. Right. Obviously, you stole all that from someone wealthier. And then, of course, they can then go on to the next leap. He didn't know. That's not actually his power. He, the, Those peasants have learned a new power. They've found an old type of magic that allows them to steal the magic from other magi. Mm-hmm. Which is well Anyway, however, when people are in power, they will come up with whatever reasoning they want to keep themselves in power. You know, that's just the way power is. So... Aiden's been holding out this whole time, and one of the other things that is happening to him as he's developing up until this point is the strain is starting to get to him. Right. You know, he has been in this kind of situation holding everything back, you know, because he is holding himself in because he doesn't want to show off what he can do. Yeah, and that's the thing of character development. So often we see in, in fiction and in television and movies characters getting stronger but it can go the other way, too. If a stress could get to you where it drives you insane or makes you weaker or makes you frail or otherwise damaged. I, mean, I just look at uh, Hunger Games, the difference in the character development of Katniss versus Peeta. Mm-hmm. Katniss gets so much stronger. Even as, as she gets injured, she still continues to get stronger towards the end of the book. Mm-hmm. And while Peeta gets weaker because of, well... Obviously, when he was under the control of the capital, he had to deal with some pretty serious stuff there. Mm-hmm. But overall, it weakened him. 
Well, I would also, you could also go along, make the additional line of in the Hunger Games one, the development in terms of strength from Katniss, Peta, and Kale. Right. Because ultimately the weakest one of them all is Kale. Yeah. Because he just goes, he tries, you know, he starts off as this amazing individual taking care of everybody, but then he just, he gets swept aside by, you know, swept up with the events and by the other personalities and just becomes another drone for everybody else. Whereas Katniss, she has these immense crises of faith, these immense times where she is doubting everything and everyone, but she still just goes to hell with it. I'm going to be my own person and makes her own decisions. Right. We're fortunate. There's a lot of good storytelling on TV and, well, in TV adjacent programming as in Netflix and, you know, internet and everything. Oh yeah. That we see a lot of good cases of character development. And of course there's cases of bad where characters never seem to change and they're in constant loop as well. Yeah. Unfortunately you see too much of that in comedy shows, but. Right. I know. Some of my favorite character development in TV shows these days was Criminal Minds, Bones, and I'm enjoying Amazon's new one, the, the Man in the High Castle? Yeah, thank you, Man in the oh, High yeah. Castle. Great show. We just finished I'm watching that. I'm loving uh, that. Yeah. Yeah, we're still got a couple episodes left of Jessica Jones on Netflix, but we just finished Man in the High Castle. There you go. You could, I almost consider that a crime that they released both of those shows on the same day. <laughs> you give us 13 hours of one show and 10 hours of the other, there's only 24 hours in a day, and I have to sleep sometime. <laughs> That's that one extra hour. Yes, the one hour. <laughs> You sleep for one. You oh, you sleep for five minutes at the end of each episode. True. <laughs> so okay, so that's the character development of three of my characters. Okay, like I said, you know, it's the actions of the people and the others around them. It's the events that's happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, even if there's nothing happening, some the the boredom of nothing happening can in itself inspire changes to occur. Right, because it may inspire people to do something. Well, that's going to be one of the fun things with Aiden is that the strain, at this point in the story, he's already dealt with the strain. Right. In an especially productive manner for him. Hmm. In that he did break under the strain. I'm gonna, I'll reveal this much. I'll spoil this much. He did break under the strain a little bit. And it revealed other potential avenues for him that allows him i'm not gonna i'm just gonna i'm gonna give everyone these general details and let them think of it what they will until they read my book it opens up other venues for him to explore and he's able to learn other techniques i should say and other forms that he's able to combine with knowledge that he essentially creates on his own to create new things that will allow him to channel his extraordinary power in a way that lets him burn off, let's say, that excess energy and that excess ability, but still keep him hidden. Would you say it's like the conundrum of the hammer and the nail? If your only tool is a hammer, every problem looks like a nail. But then when you break the hammer, you have to find a different way to solve those problems, and then you realize they're not all nails. Right. You know, he's definitely been having that issue. At this point in the story, when he gets to deal with the killing kiss 
and the possession of his friend, he's been expanding in such a way, he's been expanding his breadth in such a way that he is now the benefits to him are such that his friends are beginning to notice the positive changes in him. Everyone was noticing the strain he was under. The fr- his friends try to take away the strain, which is one of the reasons why some of these, it led up to some of these events. You know, his enemies at this point trying to break him even further, give him more strain, all those kind of fun things. Also, at this point, you get to see the real development of some of the evil in some of the other characters. A couple of the noblemen, they're convincing themselves of their righteousness in getting rid of this upstart who no one knows anything about. The greed of the merchants. One of the merchant families, um, or merchant magi that he's with, um, I will, I'm going to reveal this much. Is they've actually been setting it, setting it up so that they can eventually show in documentation that Aiden stole the gold that he used to get into the college from them. <laughs> and be like, he stole our gold. He's a, you know, he's a peasant. Kill him and give us our gold back. Right. It is a small fortune to get someone into the college. You know, with that money, they could definitely do themselves a, a lot better with that money. All right. You've given us a lot of detail on this episode. So talk, I mean, considering where we were when we started out this podcast, when you wouldn't even say the character's name. <laughs> you know, so for those following along and hoping to get in real insight into the book today, this episode, this is, this is like Thanksgiving. I mean, you're, you're still in the, you're in the holiday spirit. You're in the Thanksgiving spirit. You're giving of your uh, story. I'm humble. I must give everyone because I'm a humble person. Oh, yes. You're so incredibly humble. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> our, feeling our listeners are going to try and hit one of us eventually. <laughs> oh, I, I'm sure of it. I'm absolutely sure of it. <laughs> well, considering how you know people get chided on Twitter and Facebook for doing much less. <laughs> oh, yeah. This is true. All right, so this wraps it up, this December 2015 edition of the Publish Me Podcast. Mm-hmm. Remember, if you want to reach out to us, Twitter at Publish Podcast, Facebook.com slash Publish Podcast, Google Plus, Pinterest, email us, Publish Podcast at AS21.com. You can sign up for our email list. That way you get a nice, friendly email from us every time an episode comes out. In the month ahead, it is, of course, the holiday season. We have Christmas coming up, New Year's, my birthday. Not that you have to get me anything. Just just putting it out there. No, we all want our listeners to get Keith the same thing. <laughs> More listeners for the podcast. Yes, that, that's, that's an excellent point. So oh. have your family members subscribe to our podcast. Yes, share the podcast. Give the gift Give of the Publish gift Me Podcast. podcast. Yes. And and not just publish me. Listen to the Passion on the Page Poetry Podcast as well. And just to give you a little hint, there may be more podcasts coming. So when, when, when those announcements come out, we'll let you know and you'll be able to, if this podcast isn't the one for you, well, thank you for listening anyway. Who knows? Maybe one of the ones we have upcoming might be more your cup of tea. So otherwise, for the month, we got the holidays. We'll have our monthly author interview series, Creative Speaking, coming out on the 14th. The next episode of the Poetry Podcast, Passion on the Page, is coming out December 21st. We just had one come out last Monday, November 30th, featuring AS21 creative Bianca Palmazano reading her poem, Ellis Island. Then also on the night of the 21st, we're going to be having the first ePress 21 webinar. Woohoo! 
titled, Are You Ready to Self-Publish? The checklist yes. you should review before you're ready to hit the button to send along your manuscript to make it available in the wider market. So that'll be a, a half an hour webinar on Monday the 21st. More information will be forthcoming. And then as soon as that half hour webinar is over, it'll go right into the monthly Ask AS21 on the 21st. We're going to move it up. Instead of being at 9 p.m. or 2100 hours, it'll now end at 9 p.m. instead. So be on the lookout for that. There'll be a Facebook event for it. And if you want to sign up, since this is the first webinar, we're going to make it free for this month. But each month after that, ePress 21 webinar will change as necessary. So you know, this will be the first one since ePress 21 launched officially on December 1st. If you're a self-publisher, if you're looking for just that bit of advice to let you know if self-publishing is the way to go, that'll be another place for you to find out. Hopefully, you know, get advice from me and from other members of my staff to help out. Next month, the January 2016 edition of the podcast, Chapter 10, we will be discussing editing with... AS21 Editor-in-Chief, Corey Parker. And Corey will be coming on, and I am now poking at Paul here to, <laughs> so that we have something for Corey to look over. Although we'll be talking about editing more in grander strokes rather than him actually reviewing what he's read of Paul, but more of what he looks for when he does his editing. We'll be talking about the different types of editing, copy, line, developmental. But So check back next month, January 7th, we'll have the next edition with Corey Parker. Thank you once again for joining us on Twitter at Publish Podcast, Facebook.com slash Publish Podcast, Google Plus, Pinterest, email Publish Podcast at AS21.com and find us at our home on the web media.as21.com For AS21 Publishing, I am Keith F. Shovlin. And as always, I am Paul Dickinson Russell. And remember everyone, where there are thoughts and ideas... There are stories. Thank you all so much. We'll see you next month. Copyright 2015, AS21 Publishing, LLC. All rights reserved. AS21 Publishing. What do you want your book to be?